Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. this morning is from Acts chapter 16 where Paul is called to Macedonia. During the night Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. In Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the, uh, the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatara, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The second lesson comes from Revelation chapter 21. But one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the, of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The Lord does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor upon it. On no day will its gates ever be shut there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written on the Lamb of the Book of Life. Please rise. <laughs> according to St. John, the 16th chapter. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, 
but I will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I have come from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text from this morning is from Revelation 21. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into its gates. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. This is our text. The Easter season may be winding down, but I want to say it again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Our first hymn today spoke of Easter forever. Easter is the end of the story. Christ defeats all of God's enemies. Sin, death, and the devil. And while these have been defeated on Easter, mysteriously, they still cling to us. Our sinful flesh still attacks us. Death still marches on. 
and the devil appears to be the ruler of this age. Our Lord in his ascension promised he is coming back. And today we get a brief glimpse of what that looks like. When I was in grade school, I have a, a confession here. I'm going to confess my sins to you here today. In grade school, I love to read the last chapter of a book. Who all reads the last chapter of a book before you read the whole thing? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. No, no one's going to admit it? Okay, I'm admitting it here. Okay, I'll admit it. Okay. And I, I had posted this question on Facebook and, you know, just got various answers. No's, no's, maybes, maybes, you know, depends. And then someone said that they could be bribed into reading the last chapter. I'm like, how do you bribe someone into reading the last chapter? Okay, so now, now for me, the book series that I read when I, was, when I was in grade school was Goosebumps. And so whenever I got a new book from my, from my parents, I would sit down, read the first chapter, and then I would read the last chapter to see how the book would end. I wanted to know where the story was going. Now, often for Goosebumps, being, a scary, being scary stories, the endings were not always happy endings. But for most stories, we have a happily ever after, especially in fairy tales and Disney princess stories. And here, in our story here today, we're, we're going to see how the story ends. It's the great happily ever after. The princess bride meets her groom. Our destination as Christians is the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, and new earth. I was listening to a, a leadership podcast, and the speaker there argued that leaders need to know the destination where they're headed. And flipping to the last page of the story, we see where we're heading toward, the city of God, the bright, shining city on a hill, the glory of God that will dwell with all of us fully, God's people in their righteousness and holiness. But there's a problem. We are still not righteous or holy. Our sin clings to us even after we are baptized. And our sinful nature bars us from entering the new Jerusalem. St. John the Apostle writes, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Only those who leave, live a clean, sinless life are permitted to enter through those gates to the new Jerusalem. And to make matters worse, it's, it's not like we can jump over the walls into the new Jerusalem, right? We can't just jump over the walls to get into heaven, right? That's, we can't do that. Everybody who is unclean is barred from getting in. And when we honestly examine our own lives, they are full of uncleanliness, full of sin. We, are, we participate in darkness. John the Apostle writes in his first epistle, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's a bit like not admitting to reading that last chapter of the book before, the, before you complete the book, right? You don't want to admit what, you, what is wrong that we do, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're, if we're truly honest, the problem is, is we love to sin. 
if we didn't love it, why do we sin? Right? We love to sin. Think of all of the detestable and false things we do. Are we angry with our spouse or children or coworkers? Do we cling to anger rather than forgive them? How many of us look with another with eyes of lust rather than be faithful to our spouse? How many of us are, are stiff-necked and we think that we're perfect the way we are and it's others who need to change? The great sin of pride. These, my friends, are among the many works of darkness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Our goal as Christians is to not participate in darkness. Rather, we are participants of the light. So what does our destination look like? Our destination is full of light and without sin. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Paul gives us a, a clear indication of what that looks like in the here and now in the church in Philippians chapter 2 when he writes. He says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. The light of Christ dispels the works of darkness, the works of sin in our lives. We still struggle with that old Adam, and we ought to struggle with that old Adam. We ought to struggle against the power of sin and darkness. Our hope, our earnest desire, should be to enter into that new Jerusalem, the where, where light and where the light and, and, and life of the world is, Jesus. We are, we are new Jerusalem bound. That's where we're heading. Christ calls us to be that light, for he himself is the light of the world. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus has given us his light to be beacons in this dying and decaying world, a world that desperately needs to hear how the story ends. The story ends with God's glory shining from the new Jerusalem, which each and every one of us, his body shining forth as lights. Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The light you shine gives glory to God. The light of Christ shines in you. And his light shines in us when we do good works. That is when we follow his will in our lives. 
We read here at the end of the story, and we know where we're going. A place full of light, a place full of God's glory, a place without sin and darkness. Sin and darkness have no place among God's people. Look ahead, see the destination. We ought to prepare ourselves, preparation for the destination. Put away sin and darkness. This means we avoid the things that would cause us to fall away from Christ's light. Alcohol causes you to sin, avoid it. If your current place of employment is forcing you to do unethical things or causes you to sin, look for a new place of work and surround yourself with good witnesses of the light. Paul gives this advice in the resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, because in that chapter in the resurrection, he knows that we must prepare for the destination, preparation for the destination, eternal life with Jesus. We need encouragement to be in the light. The world will make fun of you for being Christ's light. You know, they'll call you names like being a square. But we know that the joy we have in Jesus surpasses any of the joys the world can offer. I mean, if you look outside of these walls and you see how the world is doing, how well is the world really doing? Are they really doing good out there? It's not good, is it? Not at all. The world will try to sell you sin by putting lipstick on a pig. And don't fall for it. Be the light of Christ in the world. And now, in just because you avoid things that tempt you to sin, it doesn't mean that you will fully avoid temptation and suffering. Temptation and suffering must happen to Christians. And that, that, that teaches us who God is, that his grace is sufficient for us alone. And it also teaches us who we are not. We are not God. We are not the source of the light. Jesus is the source of the light. And he calls us to look to him for all the good things in this world. And so how do we get to the destination? Throughout the works of John the Apostle, his gospel, his three letters, his apocalypse, three things bear witness to Jesus. Water, blood, and spirit. We get to the destination through water, blood, and spirit. As for the spirit, we cannot by our own reason or strength come to Jesus Christ and know him as our Lord. The Holy Spirit has come and enlightened our hearts and sanctified our minds in the true faith. And how does the Holy Spirit come to us? It is through the blood of the Lamb. We get to the new Jerusalem through the blood of the Lamb. And we are washed in Christ's blood in baptism by water and the word. And we are made new. And in his blood, we are made clean from all that makes us unclean, detestable, and false. Christ alone brings us into the doors of the new Jerusalem as his immaculate bride. John writes in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And just as God made Eve by taking the side from Adam, 
So did God create his bride, the church, his wife, through taking the piece of, of the side of the new Adam, Jesus on the cross, as the Roman soldier pierces Christ's side. That there creates then Christ's bride, the church. Through the blood of Jesus, God has made his church an immaculate bride, a bride without spot or blemish, to shine forth in this world with spectacular beauty. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, he has made a complete atonement for all of our sins, and he has made us to be his people. His love for his bride, his, his love for us is so deep, so broad, and so high that he took the death we deserve into himself so that we may be given his eternal life. And through Christ's death and resurrection, we know that we'll be given that princess bride happily ever after. That Christ's bride gets her princess ending. And brothers and sisters, this is why brides are stars of their wedding, right? All of Christ's work is for his bride. Often in books, when the stories have a happy ending, I often wonder what happens to the characters when the story ends. What happens to Sleeping Beauty? What happens to Cinderella? And so on. Even with a happily ever after, what happens when they're... Prince Charming dies. Do the couple suffer a miscarriage? Do the couple end up falling into some sort of shame or vice and ending up in divorce? Does the couple end up succumbing to the inevitable darkness and evil of this world? The story of Jesus is the greatest story ever told because he has secured for us the only true happy, happily ever after. He gives us that, this last page here in Revelation 21 to give us hope that our eyes may be fixed upon Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. And there shall be, there, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Brothers and sisters, uh, this ending sounds so good doesn't it? Sounds really good. May we, as the bride of Christ, continue to bring the light into the world, into this world of darkness. And may we bring words of forgiveness, love, and hope to a world darkened by sin. May our desire be with our Lord and his light alone, a light that has conquered all darkness. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.